Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. Tonight, I want to speak to you about bringing perspective to our time, our time that we live in right now. Now, I know that most of us that are familiar with the scripture and um, familiar uh, with what the scripture has to say about the end times and what's going on now as it relates to what was prophesied in the scripture. And we would say that it is the end time, right? Isn't that right? Would we say that this is the end time? There's lots of signs that are going on right now to indicate. And I can remember being a, a very young child and being at my grandmother's house, and she lived in the boonies, if you know what I'm talking about. She was in the sticks. And, um, but she lived across the street from a church, and so a lot of the people from the church would come over to my grandmother's house, and I can remember they'd be sitting in that living room of, uh, of that house that my grandpa had built, and he had sawed the wood and built it. You know, I mean, he was a real pioneer, I guess, you know. And so they would sit in there, and, and we kids, you know, we're probably disturbing and doing everything else because she had, my grandmother had so many grandkids. But, but anyway, so I, I can remember, though, just getting real quiet, and I would listen to them talk about Jesus coming back and about what would happen in the end times. I remember them sitting around in that room, and it would be a room full of people, and they were talking about that. And that comes back to my mind so often, you just don't really know. And when I think about that, I think about if they thought that, how much if, if those people were living today and the things that they're saying, seeing and the, the things that are going on in this world and how much closer that we're getting to the return of Jesus Christ. So, you know, the Bible says, you know, some people say, well, they've been talking about that for a lot of years. Yes, but don't you be deceived. They sure have been. All of God's people have been looking for Jesus to come. That's for sure. But we're getting closer because the signs that were prophesied are more and more. And so when we're living in the time that we are, we need to have a perspective of where we are in this time and what does that mean to us as the church. And tonight, I just want to take a few moments and I want to talk uh, to you about some of these things, if you'll give me here a few moments. Uh, you know, I, I think everyone that is here, we would all say that we're living in difficult and challenging times. Wouldn't you say that? If you look around, I mean, you know, sometimes don't you want to grab your little family and, and pull them in and just keep them protected from everything that's out there and everything that's going on? You do, don't you? You just want to pull them in and protect them from all of that. But you know, you can't do that. We're, we're uh, not of the world, but we certainly are in the world. And so um, when we face these challenges and we face these difficult times, we need to know, okay, as a Christian, what does that mean to me and how can I live in it? Now, what, what I want to tell you tonight, what you don't want to do is you don't want to look at the situation and all that's going on in the world because there's plenty 
plenty that's going on right now that indicates Jesus is returning. And you don't want uh, and just say, well, you know, he's coming. So I guess that's it. You know, even come so, uh, quickly, Lord Jesus. Yeah, we, we, we can pray that. That's for sure. But we as Christians don't need to be sitting on the front porch swing, if you know what I'm saying. We, we need to know and understand what does that mean to us? How does, how does the second coming, what should be going on in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ? And let me tell you what shouldn't be going on in the church, the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church should not be living in the world and living like the world. And I know, I know people don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear that. But I don't care because they didn't call me and Jesus did. And when I stand before the Lord, I'm going to stand uh, and I'm going to say what he's told me to say. If you are, if you are a born again person and you live like you're in the world, you have the same morals that the world has, that it, you can't tell any difference. You talk like the world, you curse like the world curses. You don't go to church, you, you know, you, that's not you, you're here tonight. You understand what I'm saying? The end time church cannot look like that, but see, I'm going to tell you, and, and, and right now, I am, I've been, really been praying about this, about those churches in the book of Revelation. I want, to, I want to bring a message on those churches because all the aspects that are found in those churches in the book of Revelation are found in the church today. And you can be the true Philadelphia church, or you can be any part of those others that's in there. I don't want to be deceived, and I don't want to think I'm going to heaven and die and not make it. Do you? And so anybody that I can share the truth with, I want to do that. People that come and sit under the Word of God here, we do not want them to be deceived. I'm going to tell you, and we may look at this a little later, but the Scripture says in the book of Matthew that in the last days, many will be deceived, thinking they're okay when they're not okay, thinking everything's okay. Oh, yeah, I remember when I was 10 years old, I accepted the Lord, I got everything right I've lived like a hellion since that time but I'm okay that's deception Many will be deceived. I've never seen such deception in the land today uh, uh, people that that now say that they don't believe in hell that were good Bible believing preachers and now they don't believe that they believe that God is a God of grace. Do we believe that God is a God of grace? Yes, yes. He is. But you can step out of that if you want to. No man can take you out of it, but you can pull yourself out if you want to. So there's just a lot that we as Christians have to see and understand. You don't live like the world and, and, and be a part of the church. How far out you go before you just disconnect yourself from the Spirit of God. I can't say that, but if you read in the book of Hebrews, you get over there, you know that there's some people that do that. They get, they go, go so far away from God, get out there into deception and, and whatever else that they get far away and they're not getting back. I, don't, I, I tell you what, I fear God too much. I'm not flirting around with sin. Doesn't mean that I don't, but when I do, I'm going to get it right. I'm not going to carry grudges and 
carry unforgiveness and things like that around in my life for 20 years that separate me from God. I'm not going to do, well, they deserve it not to be forgiven. Well, you're not hurting yourself. I mean, you're not hurting them. You're hurting yourself more than you are them. That's for sure. You know, so you, you got to live right. You got to do life God's way. Doing life God's way. Amen. Well, I just can feel it. Okay. Um, what has been right from God's Word for thousands of years is now considered wrong. And what is wrong in God's Word is now considered okay. Now, if you don't think that that affects the church, especially the church that does not walk with God, that kind of half-steps it, lukewarm, you know, a little bit in, a little bit out. If you do not think that that affects, it does. It does affect. And so we as God's people, we have to see and we have to understand that there's standards and there is truth. And this book is what we live by. Well, I don't feel that. It doesn't matter what you feel. Well, I want to do this. It doesn't matter what you want to do. It matters what this Bible says. You, see, you and I don't have uh, the prerogative to say, well, I'm just going to live my life this way. No, you, if you are a Christian, that means you're sold out to God. That means that you, are, you belong to him, then you do it his way. You come into his kingdom, and then you do it his way. So... This book is the standard for living. And in the end times, when everything is shaking around us, and the Bible says everything that can be shaken will be shaken. I don't want to be shaken, do you? I want to be able to be standing firm in Him. And so we have to, we have to know and we have to understand that and not let the deception that's in the world get to us. I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. I, I, you know, just, uh, I don't want to say too much about this, but I, I'm just thinking about this today and someone that I've known for many years and loved, and they've gone on to be with the Lord now. But, I mean, they got off and, uh, I mean, then got hooked on um, pain killers, you know, that kind of thing. And I mean, just became another person. And I mean, this person preached the gospel, told, told people how to live the victorious life. But when it came down to the end, there was no victory. And, and wh why is that? Because you get off. Because you get away from the truth. Because Wrong becomes right and right becomes wrong. There's deception in the earth. And so we need to, oh, I will never be deceived. The very one that says that, you know what I say? Father, help me not to be deceived. Don't be so haughty and proud about things. That could never happen to me. Well, I hope it doesn't. 
But the people who say that are probably the ones that it can happen to. But when you say, Lord, help me that it never happened to me. Help me to have my guard. Help me to have that guard that I don't, you know, get in wrong relationships with. How many people that I've known in this church and they came here and they're good, they were good godly people and they knew the word of God, but they got connected in cultish like things and they got connected to people who half stepped it with the Lord and who didn't live a godly life and they got connected to that and pulled out and pulled away. See, I don't think you have to live in fear, but I think you better have some wisdom who you get connected to. Now, in a local church, does God want you to get connected? Of course, we talk about it all the time. Get connected. Find a place, you know. Sure. But you know what? Don't get connected to people that are weirdos and that are out there believing. Well, they believe things that are weird. Well, they're just a little strange. Well, I can deal with that. But now when you start talking about strange in the word, no. No, we're on a different, we're on a different level then. Personality, you know, uh, traits, that's one thing to be a little different, peculiar, as the Bible says. That's one thing. But then when you take the very faith that we stand on and you start doing something, you start messing around with it and you start doing, if you add to or take away anything in this book, you're cursed. I'm not doing that. Well, then some people, it's not what they take away or add. You know, they don't rightly divide the Word of God. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, when you see something in Scripture, it balances out with the more, not just one time. He went out and hung himself. So what do you want to do? Go hang yourself when you read that? Well, see, it's being ridiculous, but that's the kind of thing that people take out of context. They'll take a scripture, but the Bible says that you won't be fooled because you can, you can, you can find that truth in the word more than two times, three times, and you will know that that's something that you can believe and that you can stand on instead of taking things out of context. Amen? All right. Now, I want to talk to you for just a minute when deception is so prevalent in the way that it is today, and Jesus' return is upon us, and we know that. How do we counteract that? How do we as Christians counteract it? Well, there's some things that are very basic, and that is you need to stay in the Bible. How many of you know that you can get so busy for God that you forget to do the thing that's most important, and that is stay connected to the Word of God. That's your source. That's your feeding tube, if you would. That's, that's where your supply comes from, is the Word of God. And then you attend church and stay connected in a Bible-believing church. Some churches, you know, they don't preach the gospel. There are people that are not getting saved in the churches. There are people that are not getting ministered to. It's all a social club. It's all about some other agenda or that kind of thing. And so I'm not throwing off on other churches because I don't have anyone in mind. But I am saying attending a godly, Bible-based church church. Church. You know, I'm thankful for my upbringing. 
And John, you talked about this. You came from the same background. You know, I, I'm thankful that I was told that you need to be born again. Because there's people in churches all over this city, all over the nation and around the world that do not know that. And they get over to church faithfully or regularly, whatever the case may be. But they don't know that. See, I'm thankful for my upbringing. Now, they, they, they brought me uh, into the kingdom and, and taught me, you know, my Bible stories and, and, and important things. Like I'm very thankful for that. But they didn't take me into the spirit-filled life. And I, I'm thankful that as I read my Bible, see, stay connected to the Word of God, I began to see what God had. And I can remember reading about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, reading about miracles, signs, and wonders when I was in the Baptist church. Reading in the Bible, nobody there, there was no miracles, no signs and wonders that I ever knew anything about. You know, no people getting filled with the Holy Spirit that I knew anything about. No speaking in tongues where the power of God was released that I knew anything about. But God was faithful to take me on into that as I read the Bible and see in a time of deception... If you want to counteract what's going on and the pulling away uh, that's in the world. See, there, when, when you talk about a pulling away, that has to do, there's a magnetism that's in the world. I want you to understand this. There's a magnetism that's in the world. And, and you know how a strong magnet is? Boy, it will pull, pull, pull. And that's what happens. There's a magnetism in this world and it will pull you toward it if you do not do things to counteract it. That's why I said the Word of God, keeping that. You know, isn't it wonderful? You can be sitting in the doctor's office. I can get my phone out, turn my app over there to my Bible, and I can read my daily Bible. I can read Psalms or, you know, Proverbs that I love to read so much. Just while I'm sitting there or, you know, waiting for anything else. You know, you can stay connected and you can counteract the deception and the pulling away that's in this world today. Amen? And, and then also, uh, as well as the Word of God, you staying in the Bible, reading it yourself, attending church, and, and get connected. See, not just sitting in a seat. You need to serve. You need to be in a small group. There needs to be an, an inner relating of your life with other people. So let, let me tell you, Eddie and I, years ago, uh, you know, we said, you know what our job is, is to keep people on the boat. We're not called to another church. We're called here. And, we, and so that's why even the things I'm telling you tonight, it's for that purpose, to keep you connected so that you don't fall away, so that you're not pulled away. And people who are just served, everybody, you know, when they come into a church, it takes time. You know, everybody has to find where they fit and all that. So I'm not talking, you know, there's, there's time for people to do that. But once you know where God wants you, you need to connect. Because you're going to stay on the boat. Because other people are going to hold you accountable. The people you go, they're going, hey, where are you? I've not seen you in two weeks. It's time for you to serve, but I've not seen you. We've missed you at the connection group. 
I wish they'd stop calling. Well, you don't really. They love you or they wouldn't do it anyway. All right. And then you need to share your faith. I'm talking about the gospel with other people. That is so important. I cannot, I, I, I wish I could just help people to understand and see what God has done for you. You need to share it with other people. Oh, I'm saved and I'm on my way to heaven. Well, praise God and hallelujah. But I'm going to tell you, you need to take what Jesus did for you and tell someone else. Well, I don't really have a testimony. Well, yes, you do. You have a testimony that you were lost and you were without God. And you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He cleansed you from your sin. And now you're on your way to heaven. I mean, you know, there, usually there's more to it than that. But if you didn't have more to it than that, that's enough. That's the gospel message. And we need to be sharing our faith. And see, I think sometimes we can say things like that. Eddie and I and the other, you know, ministers that are in the church that, that preach here. And the thing about it is what can happen is, you know, then everybody just gets dull. -eyed, you know, just. But we need to take it to heart. Because we're talking about the end times. We're talking about people who will hear the gospel and people who will not. And we're the ones that make the choices. And you say, don't lay that heavy on me. Well, Jesus laid it on you. So if he did it, I'll just join him with it. Because it's for me too. It's not only for you. It's for every one of us. Amen. So sharing your faith is very important. Being a loving Christian when you present the gospel. I've seen, I, I mean, I went to a Bible study with somebody, and I, we finally had to get out of it. We were very young. This church wasn't even started or anything, but I'm telling you, he had gone to a fundamental Bible school, and I'm fundamental, okay? But this place, I mean, they'd hit you over the head with their Bible. You know, bless God, you better. <laughs> and and, and that, this guy, I mean... He was a singer and, you know, uh, was in a singing group. And can I just be real honest? Live like hell. But yet, if you miss the mark, he's going to be there with his Bible to just slap you upside of the head with it. And, and I mean, that was what our Bible study consisted of. We wanted to learn and grow and love the Lord and love people. But he just wanted to smack everybody around with, you know, the Bible. And so finally, we just said, you know, we love you guys, but bye-bye. And we went on. <laughs> and we got filled with the Holy Spirit because they had fought us every inch of the way on the Holy Spirit. But his life didn't end up so well. And I don't say that with any kind of gloating because it's pitiful, really. But, you know, you got to love people and you got to present the gospel not in a hard, harsh way. But you don't need to compromise and you don't need to be gullible either. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm living in adultery, but I love the Lord. Oh, well, good for you, sister. I'm glad to hear that. If you love them, you will speak the truth. You know, I, I really, I, I need to tell you this. 
If you keep living like that, you're separated from the Lord and you could go to hell. That's a sin that separates you from God. And God loves you. Come back. Get things right. See, that's love. That's one that doesn't beat somebody over the head with the Bible. Bless God. You're going to hell. No, that's not the way that love does. But you're not gullible and you're not foolish either. Amen. I don't know why I'm saying all that. And then remain a person of faith in the middle of deception and in the middle of the pulling away and the magnetism that's in the world. Remain a, a person of faith. What does that mean? You believe God. You believe His Word. You stand on the Word of God for your healing. You stand for breakthroughs in your life. You stand for answers in your life that God has promised. You don't give up. You pray. You fast, you seek the Lord, you trust Him, you believe that what He said is what He will do. See, because when I, I, I'm speaking from experience in the time that we live in, I'm not kidding you, I look around and I can just really get discouraged. I'm telling you, in the middle of this mess that we've got, the church has got to focus and we've got to be doing certain things that counter this and that get us ready and prepared for the return of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. All right, take your Bibles and let's turn to 2 Timothy, verse number 3 and um, 1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, troublesome times, dangerous times, fierce times. You remember the madman of Gadara? You remember him? Well, this one, it, it, it says perilous times. That's the same word that describes him. Fierce. He was fierce. He could break those chains off of uh, himself in that graveyard, cut himself, doing all kinds of things. He was fierce. And there's, it's perilous times, dangerous times in the last days. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers, of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. They've got religion, but there's no power in the religion. He said, turn away from that. But here it gives a descriptive that in the last times, in the last of the last days, in these perilous times, it is painting a picture. If someone had a canvas and they just began to paint what it was going to look like when Jesus returned, you can see all the things here and how many of them are going on now. I mean, it, it, the characteristics, people are greedy, bragging, haughty. They blaspheme God. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, the comedy and all of that, the, of what they do with Jesus and holy things, it's just unbelievable to me. No, there's no, there's no holiness. Won't listen to parents, rebellious, ungrateful, wicked, hard-hearted, um, 
hard-hearted toward Ken. Now that, you know what that's talking about. It's the, the, the natural love in a family a mother has for the children and the children for parents and the spouse to each other. See, all of that. Hard-hearted. Not natural affection. Child abusers. Incest. All of that kind of thing. Just walk out. I've, I've never seen anything like it. The, the, I've read the foster care system. Some of you have grown up in the foster care system. Or maybe we're in it one time or another. Well, it, it's increasing and it's unbelievable. Because people don't have natural affection when it comes to their kin, their flesh and blood. Honey, let me tell you, for my children, I'm going to fight for my children. But you see, when the devil gets in there, when the end time deception gets in there, people do things that are, that are not natural. God puts that in a parent for their children. And the enemy tries to pull it out, and he's doing it. I mean, drugs, you know, selfishness. Care more about everything else than you do the kids. The kids didn't ask to get here. You know what I'm saying? And then there's so many other things. I just, these words I read to you, but then I went through and I got some, you know, more current words and um, loose morals. You know, when it talks about incontinent, that's hard. I mean, you know, you, you need to look that up because it's talking about loose morals. We live in a time, remember, we were talking about the church. You can't tell the difference from the people in the church and the people in the world a lot of times. And it's because of loose morals. So don't you think we need to protect ourselves from that? I do. These people reject the very power of God that's going to bring deliverance on them. But they go through their forms. They have their rituals. You know, they do everything that makes them look like a Christian on the outside, but there's no power in their life. And we don't need to be there. We need to know that, that in the last days, in these troublesome times that we're in right now, these kinds of things are going to be going on. So what needs to happen with us? How should Christians and the church process all of what I have just read? How should we process that? Well, we should just, you know, give up. Just wait for God to come. No, you know that's not true. You know it isn't. We have to process it through the lens of the Word of God. Amen? Now, in Luke... 19, verse number 13, I'm not going to turn you there, but it talks about over there that God gave the people their talents and abilities, and he left them with it, and then he said, occupy till I come. Some of you have 10 talents that God's given you, and he said, take it, use it, and do something with it till I come. Some of you are five talents. 
God gave it to you. You take it. You use it. You occupy till he comes. Some of you, one talent. Whatever. I don't know. You know, that's not up to, we don't need to be looking in each other's lives for that. You just need to know that what God is giving you, then you need to occupy till he comes and you need to process this his way and do it his way. We as the church must focus on what is important and not be sidetracked in this very important time. So what I want to do now is I want to give you the focal points as the, the church, as a church, as a local church, us here. This is what needs to be happening in the church, and it's up to all of us for these things to happen. There needs to be new Christians being made. There needs to be baptisms all the time. Now, how does that happen? See, I'm talking to you about when the world is going crazy, what's to happen inside the church? Us. Well, the pastor, he's going to get up and preach, and he's going to give an invitation. Yeah, but how did those people get here? Well, Sister Doodad invited them. Well, you know what? I, I want everybody in this body to get to the point where they see we're not talking to someone else. We're talking to you. Oh, well, I know the Christmas program, and I was you know, asked to bring somebody. But, you know, I've been here for 20 years. I don't need to do that. Somebody else could do it. No, I'm talking about the focal point. When the world is going crazy, the end times are here, the church needs to be focusing in on people being born again and baptized. And we're all a part of that. And you say, oh, please don't condemn me. I'm not condemning you. I'm telling you. This is what needs to be happening. This is what we need to focus in on. There's other things too. And I'm just going to name them pretty quickly though. But I, I can tell you that the people don't get here for no reason, you know, without people inviting them. That's the number one way that people get to a church is when people invite them. I, it was blessed this week, somebody texted me and they on Sunday actually, and they said they brought a whole family to church on Sunday, and the dad of that family, mom, dad, two children, and the dad prayed to receive the Lord that morning. Now, see, you don't know what can happen. You don't know if a family is having all kinds of financial problems, marital problems, problems with their kids. You don't know all of that, and you don't know what God can do when they come to a place like this. This is a refuge. This is, this is God's refuge. This is his hospital. That's what Redemption Church is. Amen? And then our focal point as a church is there should be visitors of all kinds. One, one sure way to test what's going on in a local church is to look around. If everybody is the same, there's something not healthy inside that church. Now, I'm going to say this. You know, in this room tonight, it, there may be a few exceptions, but black and white are in this room. But you know what? Asians, Hispanics, 
African, I mean, where I don't care. All, all people, visitors that look different, the rich and the poor, the Bible says, meet together. It didn't say everybody who looks the same, who dresses the same, who has the same social standing comes together. We all rich or poor. Some people think that they just have to go out and get the homeless. Well, is it okay? Of course. But there's, how about those people that live next door to you or, or a boss or, or somebody else that's not homeless? What about those people? Now, I'm talking to you about what we're to focus in on when the world is going crazy and, and we're in these times that we're in. We need to see first-time tithers. Well, I know you get to that. Do you know what that means? Many people that come to church here are already tithers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about new first-time tithers. Why do we want that? Because those are people that their heart, their treasure, their heart is where the treasure is. You see what I'm saying? They're ob obeying the Lord. They're submitting to God in that. And sure, will it help us as a church do more, reach more? Of course it will. But see, that's another thing that we need to, that we need to desire and that we need to talk about. It's okay. It's not just for the preacher to talk about it. But there's something very healthy about people who tithe, new people who come in and get that concept and follow that. It helps the kingdom do what the kingdom's supposed to do. Amen? And then our focal point as a church needs to be this next generation that's called into the ministry. What are we doing about that? You know, a few weeks ago, we had a youth service on a Sunday night. And, you know, the kids led the praise and worship, received the offering, brought the message, and did all of that. Well, don't you know that in our children's ministry tonight and in our teen ministry, if, if we're doing what God's called us to do, those kids are going to recognize and realize that there's a call of God upon their life for ministry. They may be the people that go to foreign lands and see many come to the Lord. They may be people that, you know, are all over the world pastoring a church, doing different things, you know. Who knows? I, that's just, uh, you know, what's on the top of my mind right now, but, but there's so many things, but a healthy church needs to focus in on the next generation of ministers. Amen? Then we need to be focusing in on restored marriages and families. You don't have to get a divorce now. I know that there's people in this room, you've had a divorce, okay? You know, you have. But let me tell you, there's people in this room and come to this church possibly, and they're having difficulty in their marriage. It is not time to throw in the towel. Let's work on it. Let's give hope. You know, we in these life uh, sessions, we have marriage classes. We, you know, how many of you help us with premarital counseling? Some of you uh, lift up your hands. Well, Brother, we're glad you're here tonight. I don't know where everybody else is, but 
But we have a whole team of people that take people and we just say, okay, if we're marrying you, you've got to go through premarital counseling because you're going to face some things that you're going to face in a marriage and you're going to talk about it before you ever get married. <laughs> so, we, you know, we try to do things, but... It needs to be a place where you, you, know, you know if somebody's having marital problems, you can bring them to the house of God and they're going to hear something. And it may not even be on marriage, but it gives them hope and it gives them courage and they can stand up again instead of, you know, they've been knocked over by life. And then also our focal point as a church should be that addictions are broken and fear is conquered. Now, I'm going to tell you, addictions, that, that is something, and it's more and more prevalent. And just because we don't talk about it and because we ignore it does not mean that it's going away. There, I've never seen so many people hooked on pain, medication, and pills that the doctor prescribes for them. But then you've got all of the illicit, you know, the meth and, and heroin and all kinds of things that people are addicted to. And I'm telling you, it's sorcery. That's what the Bible, if you look it up, that's sorcery and it's witchcraft. And the enemy grabs hold of people's whole being, their minds and their spirits and their bodies and holds them captive. And the church... The focal point of the church should be that we see people delivered from the hands of the enemy. And you know, we partner even here with this minute, we partner with people who are in different organizations that, uh, that uh, go into lengthy ministry and, and restoration for people that are like that. And, and we, uh, we recommend them and people can go see them and receive extended ministry because we can't do it all here. You know, we can't, but can we pray? Can we stand? Can we believe? And then get, get you in a place to where you can get help that you need. But see, our focal point, oh my God, what are we going to do? Let's give up. No, no. We're going to get people born again. We're going to get them baptized. We're going to get visitors of all kinds in here, all races, ethnic groups. Amen? Then also, uh, new leaders and volunteers. I'm going to tell you, no church is ever going to rise above the leadership. We've got to have leaders consistently being raised up inside the ministry. And there are people that have the ability, but they will not help you in leadership. So, you, you know, you have to go on beyond that. That's, you know, that's something between them and God. And, but you have to constantly be looking for people who can be leaders, who are faithful, dependable, anointed, and who will do what it, you know, some people, oh yeah, I'll do that, I'll do that. And they don't have to do anything. And that, you can't get anything done with people like that. Now, I love them, but you might as well just admit it and go on and do something else because it, it's not going to happen. I'm not much for one that talks. Do and then talk. But see, a lot of times people want to talk and it's all a good talk, but we've got to have leaders and volunteers in our church, and it can't be the same people every, you know, that have been doing it for 10 years. Every year, we got to add, we got to add, we got to raise new leaders up. Why? Because ministry's go, growing, it's expanding, we're touching people, or we should be touching new people. You see what I'm saying? 
So our focal point, it, don't you, you understand that there's a lot of things for the church to focus on rather than wars, rumors of wars, and all the things that I've talked about tonight. And there should be a focal point on hours. Listen to me. Hours devoted to prayer. Now, we have a prayer department in this church. They have, they have specific times that they pray over, you know, I think there's five or six different areas inside that prayer department. But beyond that, then what do we do? We try to, you know, say that if there's 100 people in that prayer department and they pray. Do you think that all those 100 people are the only ones that should be praying? There's got to be hours of prayer. Prayer is that divine connection with God that makes tremendous power available in the end times that we live in. I tell you, when you understand the power of prayer, it'll make you hungry uh, to go after it, to get in that prayer closet or get into that corporate prayer meeting, connect with other believers and watch what God will do. And see, those are the things that we need to be focusing in on. And then we need to attend to our children and the teens. That needs to be a focal point. Again, we're investing in the future. And then serving the poor also. We need to be doing that. We do that in this church in different ways. And we partner with different ministries that, that do that. Then we do some things on our own. But, but God wants us to, to reach and touch the poor and show them Jesus' love in this, this very confused, mixed up time that we live in. Now, I'm going to tell you, we are in the last of the last days. And we can make choices about what we do. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Yeah, I know, I, I think that and say that too sometimes. But when you see this and when you hear what I've shared with you tonight, it makes you understand there's so much more. You know, you take a crowd like is here tonight. The opportunities are there to make a difference while we have an opportunity to make a difference. There'll come a time, whether it come through death that closes our eyes or whether it come through Jesus comes to rapture his church and we leave. We'll have no more work to do. And the Bible says, be about the Father's business. And I just, you know, these are things lately that I've been thinking about. This is it's not new with me, but it's fresh with me. There's going to come a day when our mouths will be shut and we won't be able to do anymore. And so it's the same with you. It's not different. You're, you're, the way you get about it may be different than me. We might be different in that way, but we're no different in that each child of God has a responsibility before the Lord to look at the mess that we're in and wring our hands and say, what are we going to do? Or begin to focus more than we ever have before on these things that God has set the church to do. I choose to focus, don't you? I believe you really do too. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. 
We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.